The Granzadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Well, thank you, Jana. Wonderful to hear uh, your side of the story and your perspective. Anymore. No, you're done with those notes. <laughs> that was wonderful. And you're getting ready to go into the pilot yes, season now. Yes, we are now. getting ready to go into pilot season. We generally buy our scripts. The development season is starts mid-summer after everybody's taken, everybody's on vacation in June. And then starting in July, they start buying the scripts. By November, at the latest, we are done and closed. People are off writing. November and December tend to be the only fairly quiet times for our scripted department. And then by January, we're picking up our pilots, we're going into pilot production. All of our pilots are delivered by May. So between February and May, and generally mid-April, they're producing incredible amounts of incredibly you know, complicated television pilots. And then we pick them up the ones that we're gonna order. We go to New York for the upfront where most of our ad time is sold. The upfront is this incredibly strange process where all of the advertisers and the buyers come to New York, everybody watches all of the shows, and then they sit in rooms and negotiate to buy the network time that they're gonna buy for the next year. And we, you know, the networks sell anywhere from 70 to 85% of their ad inventory during those couple of weeks. It's a hectic time yes. and an important <laughs> time for you. Well, we, it, you talked about so many interesting things. I was just going to comment on a couple of things you talked about. You mentioned Ann Sweeney. And yes. uh, Ann was actually one of our very early Dean's Executive Leadership Series speakers on our Malibu campus. And in fact, the day she came and spoke to us in our Dean's Executive Leadership Series, and you would know the year probably, and I don't recall for sure, it was a number of years ago, was the day that Disney and Pixar announced right. their arrangement. <laughs> the day, but so I it was kind it. of wild. We had her on campus and we, we felt like really important that we had picked <laughs> such a great day. She couldn't talk about it at all because it was all still, you know, brand new and, and all of it was still sort of under uh, under the cloak, but it was great having her. And then she came back later and spoke at one of our graduations. Oh. So she's been fabulous and we've had, you're probably the fourth or fifth uh, Dell speaker from Disney, so we appreciate the collaboration and the partnership Thank so much. You. But the other thing you mentioned was the Step Up yes. network. Um, we actually have done a couple of collaborations with Step Up in the business school. And so it's a wonderful organization, oh, such a wonderful organization. and it's such a great thing to do with young women that really need that kind of mentoring and support. So Absolutely. it's fabulous that you had an opportunity to do that as well. The question I have for you, and I'm going to open it up for the audience here in just a minute. So if you have questions for Jana, prepare those and be ready to ask. Uh, you talked a lot about this dramatic change that has gone on in the television industry that really kind of started about the time you stepped into your role and, and began here. And so you talked about kind of those changes, but I'd like to hear a little bit about from your perspective, particularly being in the leadership roles you were over that period of time, how did you go about changing the culture from a culture where someone would tell you don't take that job, it's going to be really boring, to a culture where you're, you know it's going to change, but you can't actually anticipate what that change is going to be. So how do you go about changing the culture among the people to actually be able to live in that kind of world? It can be hard. And there are people who are very resistant to change and there are people who embrace it. And 
over time it ends up being self-selecting, to be honest, because the people who are challenged by it and invigorated are gonna stay and succeed, and the people who are put off by it don't. So in some ways it's self-selecting, but also so much of it is the management. You know, at Disney, they, it, it's the mantra, innovation, change, creativity. You can't be at a company like this unless you want to embrace that, because mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a comfortable fit sure. for you. So we're lucky because our culture mandates it, but I do think that it is fairly self-selective. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, in the education world, there's a lot going on there. A lot of it's being driven by technology. We're having these kinds of conversations across education. But how do you go from being an industry that really doesn't change very quickly and hadn't changed a lot to being in a place where you know you have to do that? So it's kind of fascinating to hear you describe that and the experience that you've had, but in an industry where creativity and change is so important. Right, but time. in the television business, as I was saying, nothing had changed yeah. in so many years that I think it did take people, particularly from a business model mm -hmm. perspective, right. a long time to face the fact that if you don't change the way we do business, we are not going to survive. Absolutely. I'm gonna go to the audience for some questions. Who has a question for Jana? Yes. Hi. I think we have a microphone. Let's get the microphone because we're actually videotaping this and so we want everyone to hear your question. Hi, my name is Cheryl Hilton. Um, I have a question, kind of touching on like the web, the internet. Um, I have a web series called Sound Device now that's out, and I noticed it's kind of like the Wild Wild West now. <laughs> but is, does Disney have any plans on dealing with um, content that's where new filmmakers are putting the work out there to kind of take a, you know, advantage in helping them grow and be a part of their family in that arena. Um, it's kind of like a broad question. Cause, no, I get it. Yeah. We, you know, at one point we actually had a, an in-house web original content production entity called Stage Nine. And it, you know, Original content for the internet as a big company is a very difficult business because when people come to us, they're looking for our established brands. And we found that it was difficult for us to finance original content for the web because we're, we were, were an advertising-based model and it was hard to get advertisers excited about things they had never seen and didn't know. That being said, we've also had a lot of original filmmakers who have made small pieces of material to show us or that in order to you know get their creative juices flowing have made original content but for for us most of our content on the web has been derivative of either the filmmakers we were already in business with or webisodes related to our content because that's what the advertisers come to us for but I know that throughout the Walt Disney Company, I'm speaking specifically for ABC because that's really the business that I'm familiar with. I've, I know at the Walt Disney Company, they make a huge effort to find new film voices, and I'm sure a big part of that is through the web. Very good. Other questions from the audience? Yes. Hello, um, my name's Chris, and um, I guess my biggest question would be, you know, with startups today and small companies, um, having a big part in Silicon Valley and in general, um, being such a large company, ABC, Disney, how do they remain nimble um, in such a changing landscape? That's a really good question, and it can be hard 
But I have to say, I think we've done the best job of a lot of the big companies in being nimble and adapting. And I think the most important part is having decision makers who are empowered to make decisions. Because what can bog down a big company that's so different than a smaller company is that you have this matrix and bureaucracy of decision makers. But we've been lucky, at least in the television group, to have you know, to be empowered to make decisions. And I think the only way in a big company that you can remain nimble is to have smaller groups of decision makers who are empowered to, to operate. I mean, the truth is that if you're part of an organization like the Walt Disney Media Networks Group, anything we do in terms of our MVPDs, we're gonna have to coordinate with all of our different entities. But that doesn't mean that you can't be ahead of the curve and be more nimble than, say, the other big companies right behind us. You just may not be as nimble as the person with four executives sitting in Silicon Valley. But I think we've done a pretty good job of it. Who else? Yes, right behind you over here. Uh, I'm a big fan of all my children and one left to live. <laughs> and you know that we just lost two major soap opera shows that were 35 and 40 years. Is there any chance they could come back as half an hour shows and do a reunion? <laughs> you know, so um, I know that the young boy from One Life to Live went on to do Castle and now he's a heartthrob. So it's neat to see that they've moved on, but I mean, some of us really miss our old shows. Could they come back in any way, shape, or form? Thank you. And let you me know, add a little I know you're gonna find this shocking, but you are not alone. Yeah. Um, if I can tell you, Somehow my email address got onto one of these fan sites oh, and no. for months my email was just blocked and shut down by people who were complaining about just this. Um, I don't want to say they will never come back in any form because the truth of the matter is that we gave the rights to a couple of those soap operas to a company who wanted to get it going for the web. And they have, you know, they're still trying to find the financing to do that. We still have General Hospital. <laughs> um, but it was a very difficult decision. Exactly. But, but it was a very difficult decision. You know, those were shows that had been on the air for 30 years. They had a huge mm -hmm. fan base. They had a huge emotional investment by a lot of people, and nobody took that decision lightly. Um, and we are doing everything we can to save the one we still have. 30 minutes of production. <laughs> but, but that question speaks to how demographics are changing and how the viewer uh, interests are changing. So how do you, and this may not be under your responsibility, but how do you stay on top of that in a way that helps you know sort of how to not lead too far in the market, but stay on top of it so that you really are mapping the shows with what the audiences want. I mean, it's got to be a huge challenge. Well, the, it is a huge challenge. I mean, the big, for us, we get a report card every day. You know, we're the one business where every single day you know exactly how you're doing because you see your ratings. Um, but we do a lot of not just qualitative, quantitative, but qualitative research to find out what people in the marketplace want, to make sure that you're staying ahead. At the end of the day, the ratings rule. Absolutely. You know, Los Angeles, obviously, entertainment is a, a huge part of the economy and certainly a huge part of the visibility of the economy in Los Angeles. 
kind of speaking from a business perspective, where do you see the sort of the climate from a business perspective going in Los Angeles and California in terms of how it's supporting the entertainment industry? And are there things that could be done differently to ensure that we sort of continue to be the leader in that in the years ahead? It's really tough because, as I alluded to before, uh, the biggest challenge we deal with is rising production cost. And the one way that we can significantly ameliorate our production costs is to be in a tax incentive location. And unfortunately, California does not support production, in the, which is shocking to me, given how much is here. They don't support production in the same way that certain other states. So if you go to Louisiana, even New York, mm -hmm. um, Michigan, there are all of these states that have these incredible tax incentives. And if you're talking about going, you know, getting a discount of 16 to 30% on your spend in the state, it's, it's hard to justify mm -hmm. shooting here. Now, one of the things that keeps us here is there's talent that doesn't want to move. Right. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help for a pilot because most right. people are willing to go and travel for the few weeks it takes to make a pilot. For a series, it can get a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. We take a lot of production to Canada because of the tax incentives there. We look constantly, not just in the United States, but around the world. We met with the Australian government, people from all of the different states in Australia fairly recently, because we are under so much pressure to cut our costs for us to be able to deliver the quality we want to deliver with, you know, and make it affordable. We really have no choice. And so I think that California can be an incredibly good climate in a lot of respects, but I think that as, until there are real tax breaks to keep production here, they have a lottery where in the second year of production, in order to bring a show back, you can enter a lottery and, and try and get a tax credit. I think there might be 150 shows in the queue for five slots. Oh, wow. You know, it's just not, not a, it's not a difference, no. really. Yeah. Hmm. Other questions from our audience for Jana? Yes, right here. Hi, uh, my name is Jennifer, and I wanted to find out what is the next uh, focus or direction for ABC in terms of um, creating new production, you know, because production is growing from unconventional sources such as web or cable television, there's so much original programming coming from other sources. Do you think that ABC is going to be more focused on broadcast and network, you know, that aspect of the business, or more production side? The reason that they merged the network and the studio a couple of years ago, I think, was because they realized that. It is such a symbiotic relationship that it's very hard in today's day and age to be in the network business without also being in the studio business because the network is simply one window through which we push our content. But at the end of the day, it's the ownership of that content that has the most value. And we can use the network to launch a show and to push that show through and to market that show. And it is the absolute best, network television is the absolute best launch pad for a piece of content, but at the end of the day, the true long tail value comes in being a production entity and owning that content. And I think that's why you see so many vertically integrated companies. You'll see a lot of studios without networks, but you don't see that many networks that don't have their own studio. So I would say that, con I, I would bet we're gonna stay in both, but I don't see us ever getting out of the content business. We're also, at the end of the day, the Walt Disney Company, and the Walt Disney Company is a content creation business. Sure. We'll go over here and then come back to this one. Hi, my name is James Clark. Um, you spoke about being authentic earlier. 
Um, on a more personal note, what's been your proudest accomplishment you've done so far in your life overall? Probably having my kids. Oh, I mean, yay. I have really good kids. <laughs> <laughs> or I think so. <laughs> She's got two daughters, eight yeah. and ten, so yeah. Yeah, so for me it would be my kids. Very good. Is there anything from a professional perspective that you're particularly proud of or that, uh, you, you mentioned one of the things, kind of that agreement with Apple that was yeah, sort of that new was, and different. That was but, amazing. But at that time, I was still second to Mark Pedowitz right. in the department. So while I was a very big part of it, I have a hard time taking that as, yeah. as my accomplishment. Um, I would say that over the past couple of years, we've entered into some, into some really big digital rights agreements with big studios, most notably Warner Brothers. And in order to do those, we really had to change the way we thought about what was important to our business. There were so many things that we just said, oh, well, we'll never do that. And it finally came the time to really rethink what we would and wouldn't do. And we gave on some things that we thought were so big and at the end of the day didn't matter. And we were really able to redefine how we engaged with other studios in a digital context. And I would say that's probably my proudest achievement because we were way ahead of the curve from any other network in doing that. Very good. Question, right back here. Hi, my name is Jermaine Mountain. Um, I recently read an article that said uh, that Nielsen reported that nearly 40% of the US viewing audience is using a smartphone or a tablet computer to watch television. Um, I know you mentioned a little bit about upfronts and you know just as far as you know advertisers having uh, fronting the, the the advertising dollars early. Are you noticing a change in the industry as it relates to how uh, consumers are viewing content? And further, is that change going to begin to uh, I guess change the advertising model uh, for you know when we come to pitch season, when we come to the upfront season? Well, it, absolutely the way people are viewing television has changed. And I think the biggest change that we've seen this year has been with DVRs, DVR, meaning TiVo. And they've, they've expanded their penetration. And that has made the biggest difference for us in terms of viewing patterns and how people are watching television today. The ratings have changed this year really significantly in terms of which portion is being watched in playback as opposed to being watched live. And that is probably the thing that's gonna push us the most from an advertising perspective. We have really changed how we sell. The problem is measurement. You know, Nielsen and measurement has not kept up with the pace of technology. And so we haven't been able to measure. And in order to sell, you need to be able to measure. But we have now gotten to a point where we are trying to do all of our sales on a holistic basis. So you're guaranteeing a certain number of eyeballs and you're able to make up that group of eyeballs by wherever they may be watching. So we already have started that process and we're only, more, we're only moving more and more in that direction. Great, do we have any, yeah, question right here. We'll make this our last audience question. Thank you. Hi, um, for the longest time, uh, ABC as a network was either creating their shows in-house in or acquiring from the other major studios. Are there different challenges or opportunities you face uh, given the acquisitions of Marvel and Lucasfilms and knowing that Pixar is going a little bit into that short-form TV world with acquiring from internal studios that are not ABC? Um, we actually have had an incredible partnership with Marvel. We started when they first merged looking for properties that we could develop together. And we had a couple of them that we had developed. 
we are currently in the process of producing a Marvel pilot. And it's loosely connected to the Avengers, and we have very high hopes for it. So we're, we're feeling really good about our partnership with Marvel. Lucasfilms, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if there's something for television there. Pixar, we've actually been in business with. They produced Prep and Landing for us and Prep and Landing 2. And they're, uh, the creativity, I mean, the creativity in this whole company, I feel like it's horrible to start parsing it out, but the creativity at Pixar is truly unimaginable. Their imaginations and their commitment to creative flexibility and innovation is mind-boggling. And we continue to be in business with them. They're currently producing a couple of television specials for us. And we're lucky because it actually hasn't been as big of a challenge. I mean, the biggest challenge when you work with companies like that, particularly in the animation field, is just the cost. I mean, it is unbelievable how much a minute of animation <laughs> costs. So that's been our biggest challenge. Um, and we've just had to be more flexible with how we window the properties in order to make it work for us. Very good. So let me close with this. Are you like a TV junkie because you like do this every day or not? Do you watch a lot of TV or not? It's going to sound horrible. I don't watch that much television. I am a complete junkie of Colbert, Jon Stewart, and Bill Maher. Those are the three <laughs> okay. things. And then and our comedies, our Wednesday okay. night comedies. But for that, I don't watch a tremendous amount of television. Well, I was going to ask you for your recommendations for our audience of what you thought they should be watching on ABC. If they, uh, well, if they the don't watch a lot of TV, way, what should the they middle, watch? Watch the middle. I truly think it is the most underrated television wow, show. So uh, is that the funniest show? How many show? of you watch the middle? Uh, it is the few. funniest okay. show, particularly if you have kids. I mean, they just they get it. So <laughs> watch the middle. I'm sure most of you watch Modern Family, but that's an amazing show. Um, I still, I have to say, I should have mentioned this, I still watch every, every episode of Grey's Anatomy. I love Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Christine loves Grey's Anatomy too. Scandal's great. Scandal's great. You know, here I am, I'm saying I don't watch TV. I guess I what do. Is somebody else's, <laughs> what is somebody else's favorite? Oh, yeah. How many are Dancing with the Stars junkies? How many of you like that? Revenge. Yes. yes. <laughs> Here's the good news. You can DVR it. Just watch it within three days, please. <laughs> well, wonderful. It's been fabulous having you Thank with us, Thank you. Jill. We so appreciate it. It's been great.